Welcome to the Life Over Coffee podcast. This is episode 135. I want to talk about boys and girls dating in this podcast. I had someone ask a question on the forum. I'm not going to share that person's name or what they ask, but they were asking basically conceptually ideas on boys and girls dating and what is our perspective on that. And it was such a good question that I do want to share with you some of what I said to this individual and a few other thoughts, and that's what this podcast is about. Again, it is episode 135. The title is 10 Thoughts on Boys and Girls Dating. I am Rick Thomas. Thank you so much for joining me for Life Over Coffee podcast. This is the podcast where we talk about eclectic things, People ask questions all the time, and this is one of the ways that we serve people by trying to answer those questions in a 30-minute podcast, and this is a good one that applies to so many of us, and I hope it's a benefit to you. If you want to ask a question, please go to our forums. We have public and private forums, uh, public forums for those who aren't supporting our ministry, and then private forums for those who do support our ministry. And so either one of those will work, but please, by all means, ask your questions. This is what we do. This is how we want to serve the body of Christ. And so if you have something that you want to run by us, now you can do a search on our website. We have a couple thousand articles. We have over 200 videos. We have mind maps and infographics. We ha- we do have the forums. Uh, we have a lot of resources here. This is a content-heavy website, and so you could do a search on our website and probably find the answer to your question, but we want to be there for you. We want to come alongside you the best that we can in cyberspace And sometimes you just need some customization, maybe many times, and we want to customize. And so rather than giving you an article, we want to interact with you as an individual. And so if you have a question, please ask it. Let me go ahead and give you the punchline to or or give you this big idea about boys and girls dating. I'm not an extremist where some people live in extremes. Some parents live in extremes where, where dating is is not an option. No way, no how. And then there are others where you can do anything that you want to. I don't, I don't live in either one of those extremes. And also, as far as synonyms are concerned, dating, courtship, those are synonyms as far as I'm concerned. I mean, you can parse them out in a unique kind of way, I suppose. But for this podcast, dating, courtship, whatever you want to call it. There are things to consider, and I'm not saying that it's wrong for boys and girls to date, but I do have red flags all over the place, and that's why I titled this podcast 10 Thoughts on Boys and Girls Dating, because I'm not in the other extreme to where you can do what you want to when you want to. I also have some articles embedded here that I think would be helpful for you. One of those articles is titled, How Can I Get Guys to Lust After Me? Someone Googled that on our website. I don't know who the person is. I don't know why they were Googling it, but I saw this search criteria in our Google Analytics, and I thought, well, that would be something interesting to write on. And so I wrote an article 
in response to that Google search criteria because that is a thing. Apparently, it, it is a thing for this individual. She's trying to figure out how to get guys to lust after her. And so I wrote an article to her, though I do not know who she is or even if she ever read the article. But I know enough about people and I've done enough of counseling to know that girls want to be lusted after. And that is the appropriate word. They want to catch a guy's gaze. Not every girl, but there are a lot of them who who do want to do that. So I have an article here. I have another one here. Men are tempted to lust and women are tempted to be lusted after. That covers both sides of the coin. I would encourage you to read it. Had a lady a few years ago write in and ask, Rick, help me to understand my boyfriend's sexual temptation. I don't get that. And many women don't. I understand that. And men don't get women. We're different if you didn't know that, if you didn't know that already. And so she's writing and saying, can you help me to understand a boy's sexual temptation? And so I wrote an article on that, too, and you can read that. There's a lot of information here is what I'm saying, and I would love for you to get it. And then you probably have additional questions based on what I say here. And so go on our forums and ask that. You can read everything that I'm going to share with you in the show notes for the Life Over Coffee podcast. Episode 135. 10 Thoughts on Boys and Girls Dating. It's not wise for boys and girls to like each other while creating context and situations where they can be isolated from other people. Now, that's my overarching statement right there. I didn't say it's not wise for boys and girls not to like each other. In fact, I hope a boy will like a girl and a girl will like a boy. That's the way God made us. There's nothing wrong with that in that sense within a vacuum there's nothing wrong with that i want my son to like a girl to like girls and i want my girls to like boys but what i'm saying is is it's not wise for boys and girls to like each other while creating context and situations where they can be isolated from other people being friends is one thing But liking each other in the sense of being attracted to each other is potentially dangerous for so many reasons. And let me give you 10 thoughts on that. Number one, lust takes no prisoners. And regardless of a person's age or marital status, and so whether you're single or married, lust doesn't, uh, lust takes prisoners. It's unwise to put yourself in a position to where unbiblical desires can capture your heart. I wouldn't want you to be naive on this, though many of us are naive on this. Even David, a man after God's own heart, was not wise enough or mature enough to keep from shattering his family, his nation, and God's fame now, I don't put myself on the level of, of David, and, and honestly, I don't know anyone within my sphere that I could equate with David. He, he was an unusual man. He was a unique historical figure who loved God, and God promoted this little, little man to be the king of the nation of Israel because he had an incredible heart for God. He was so passionate and so right with God, but yet he fell into deep sexual sin. And that should be a warning for all of us 
that we we don't want to put ourselves in position. Lust takes prisoners. And regardless of your age, it doesn't matter how old you are. Once love is awakened, you can cross the line quickly and it can turn into some bad things. It can take you to some bad places. Ironically, if you think you're wise enough, if you think you're smart enough, if you think you don't need counsel from those who are older and more mature, you're in more danger than you realize. Ten thoughts on boys and girls dating. Number one, lust takes prisoners regardless of who you are. Number two, dating is intended to go somewhere. All dating, all boy-girl relationships go somewhere. They move from point A to point B. There are mile markers along the way in that they are not static, non-moving relationships. When you start dating at a young age, you have no place to go because you're not going to get married anytime soon. It's unwise of parents to let their children date too young because there's always a next thing. That's how we are wired. We are moving forward We do this thing, and we want to know what the next thing is. That's the way school is set up. We go to K-5, we first grade, second grade. I mean, our entire life is moving forward. We are young kids, and then we are looking forward to being teenagers, and then to be 16, and 18, and 21, and dating and marriage and jobs and children. And that's the way life moves. That's the way God has designed it. It's incremental. All relationships and all of life is intended to go somewhere. We are always moving, doing, and dating is like that. And so it's intended to go somewhere. You can't have a relationship with another human being and it just be static It will die. Love is an action word, and it requires action, and it's it's one thing stacked upon the next thing, and so dating is intended to go somewhere, and if you start dating too young, you have nowhere to go. Number one, lust takes prisoners. Number two, dating is intended to go somewhere. Number three, young people are not mature enough to steward an adult relationship. And when someone awakens love too soon, it opens the wrong doors too early. Now, I don't mean to be unkind here or insulting, but the truth is, is that young people are not mature enough. I know they can think they are, but the truth is they aren't. What I would say to young people is if you're a teenager, think Look backward and think about the toddlers in your life. Think about the eight-year-olds and the 10-year-olds and, and, and think, you know, sometimes my daughter will, will read a, a journal entry from five years ago or eight years ago. She's a journal, journaler. <laughs> She's been journaling virtually all, all of her writing life. And so as early as she could start writing, she's been journaling Mo- the majority of her life, even though she's 16 now, she's been journaling for well over a decade. 
And when she looks back on those early journal entries, she realizes now that, oh, man, I was just silly back then. I was so immature. Now, she was a kid. She was what she was supposed to be. But here's the thing. When you become 25 and you look back on 15 or 16 or 18, and and you will see your immaturity then, just like you see the immaturity of an eight-year-old now. And guess what? When you're 45, you'll look back on 30. And when you're 60, you'll look back on 40 and 45 and 50 and and realize that you, well, you didn't have it all together like you thought you did. And so point number three here is young people are not mature enough to steward an adult relationship. And you want to be very careful here. It, it, it is incremental. It's like the sex talk that you have with your children. You don't have that too young. You, you introduce children to new ideas. You bring them along, and dating is one of those things. There is a time. There is a place. That's why I say I'm not opposed to dating. I don't throw the dating out with the bathwater. But I don't live in the other extreme to where anything goes. If you like a boy, that's fine with me. And I know some parents do that. Their children are eight years old, nine, ten years old, and they've been reared on adult television, and they and they expect this, and the parents have no guardrails whatsoever. It is a dangerous game of life. Number four, being in a group setting is the wisest thing when ha- hanging out with the opposite sex. I think it's important for children or for kids to hang out with the opposite sex, But you want to do that within parameters, and that's why being in a group setting is the wisest thing to do. As I led with with this podcast, you don't want to put yourself in an isolated context or an isolated situation with the opposite sex. Another idea to this is that we've always reared our children to be with adult people. Our our children have been hanging out with adults since they were, well, since they were born but when they were two, three, four, five years old, they've always interacted with adults because we knew that they're only going to be a kid for a short period of time and they will live the majority of their life, statistically speaking, as an adult, as a big person. And so we began introducing them to big people within the appropriate context when they were little. That's why my children can interact with adults. They interact with adults well, but they've been doing it all, all of their lives And so having a group context with the opposite sex or a group context for adults, for your young children, it it can be a good idea when it's monitored well. That's number four. Number five, many boys and girls who crave love from others too early typically have poor relationships with their dads. This longing for a relationship with their father is their primary motivator for wanting someone to love them, to accept them, to approve them. Most of the time, these young people look for acceptance from a pure relationship. After a while, they will give up on that longing for their dad, and and that will come in the teenage years. If dad has been passive, if dad has been mean, if dad has been a non-factor or an angry factor in the relationship with the child, eventually the child will give up on that relationship and and began to seek the things that he or she has been craving all of his or her life to be loved. I've counseled scores of teen boys and girls who were, quote, unquote, in love with someone. 
And in nearly, not every, but in nearly every case, there, there was a weak father parenting model involved. It is a real thing, and this problem is a huge trap. I have a one-hour webinar on our website. about. It's titled, The Important Role of Fathers, and how they, ha- they have such an influence on the boy and the girl and if dad is not doing it right, either being remote, distant, passive, or being angry and harsh and unkind, if he's not a biblical father, it will, it will further complicate the child's soul, and eventually the child will give up on the relationship, and it will replace it with another relationship, typically of the opposite sex, sometimes of the same sex, where they go into a gay lifestyle. This is episode number 135, 10 Thoughts on Boys and Girls Dating. Thought number one, lust takes prisoners. Number two, dating is intended to go somewhere. Number three, young people are not mature enough to steward adult relationships. Number four, being in a group setting is the wisest thing. Number five, many boys and girls crave love, typically have poor relationships with their dads. Number six, a parent has responsibility to guide their children to the right person. Parents and teens should be on the same team. I don't like it when I hear, well, those are the teen years. This is what teens do, meaning they rebel from their parents or they create distance from their parents. And it's like the the, the terrible twos, and, and that's that self-fulfilling prophecy is its a bad thing that we should be saying. We should think about it biblically, and we should be working to parent biblically because it doesn't have to be that way. I remember my friend Ryan telling me 20 years ago, he said, when I was a teenager, I, I liked hanging out with my dad. My dad was my best friend, and I looked at him like he had two heads. But that is true, and that's the way it should be. Children should want to hang out with their parents. My daughter came home from high school, her first year of high school. She she looked at me, and she said, Dad, I think we were parented differently. I like being with you all. I like hanging out with you all. Parents and teens should be on the same page, and both should be willing to talk about these personal matters so they can work together to help the child fi- find the right person. I, I tell I've told my children that like nobody knows you better than your parents, and nobody is for you more than your parents. We know our children better than anyone else. We've been living with them, feeding them, clothing them, loving them, disciplining them, crying with them, laughing with them all of their lives. Nobody has been doing what we have been doing for our children, and nobody is for them more than we are. And if we know the most about them and if we are for them the most, we are their greatest cheerleaders, as I tell them. I am. Lucia is your greatest cheerleader. And then I tell them, I want to kick you out of the house. I, I won't. I, I, if I had my druthers, I would want them to stay with me all of my life. But as I told them a couple of days ago, I said, that's not how it works. And they know that. 
life moves on and you're going to become an adult. You're going to leave the house. We know that. So I'm not going to, I'm going to, I'm going to put to death my selfish desire to have you with me all my life. And we're going to train you up to leave. And I say, tongue in cheek, we're going to kick you out of the house. They understand what I'm saying, but we're going to train you to leave. We want to help you to leave well. A parent's job is to help the child make right decisions, which includes dating choices. It's called parenting. A crazy idea. When children and parents can't or won't talk about these things openly, there's something wrong with their relationship, which lands primarily on the parent. And inevitably, the, the child will make a poor decision if, if you can't talk about these things. Number six, a parent has a responsibility to guide their children to the right person. You train up a child in the way that he should go or the way that she should go. Learn your child and help them to go that way. You are their greatest cheerleader. Number seven, many children make poor decisions anyway, but that does not dismiss the parent's job to lead them well. And so I don't want you to become legalistic here, thinking that it's all on you and you have to do everything perfectly because some parents go into that deep ditch. Well, I did it right. And, and I know what they're saying. I mean, they're not saying they did it perfectly right, but they tried to follow God. They tried to discern the Lord and tried to apply the Bible in their children's lives and their children made poor decisions anyway. I don't want you to think that it's all on you. We're talking about human responsibility here. Ultimately, God is the one that grants repentance. God is the one that, that is over everything. We cooperate with him. We work out what he works into us. But don't think it's on you. I mean, ultimately, your, your most effective parenting weapon is prayer, asking God to, to impose himself into your child's life. Because many children, number seven, will make poor decisions anyway. And if your child has made a poor decision, don't beat yourself up. I mean, repent of whatever there is that you may need to repent of, but then don't live in that ditch of despair. Because what you would be saying is that if I had done this, my child would be better. Do you, do you hear what you're saying? That puts you in the place of God. No, if your child is better, it's because of the grace of God. And so we want to be careful with where we place human responsibility in the parenting idea. Number seven, many children will make poor decisions anyway. Number eight, if a boy does not go to the girl's dad. Now, this is the boy who's wanting to date a girl. And if he doesn't go to the girl's dad first to ask about dating his daughter, it's a problem. The teen boy is dishonoring and disrespecting the dad's God-given responsibility to rear his child in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Now, if the dad's not mature enough, active enough in the girl's life, the boy could talk to the mom, the guardian, the spiritual authority, local church pastor, to someone who is giving some kind of mature, wise, biblical oversight over this girl. But if the boy does not go to the girl's dad, he's dishonoring the dad and disrespecting the dad. And if somebody, if, if a boy is talking to you, say, hey, I want to date this girl, here's the advice. Go talk to the dad. Go talk to the dad about that. Date the dad first. Number nine, the girl should let her dad know what's up when a boy makes those kinds of advances. 
Now, again, I'm I'm aware that that many dad daughter or dad son relationships are not mature enough and not biblical enough to where they can talk openly. But eight and nine here, the boy needs to go to the dad or to the mentor, the spiritual authority and in the girl's life. And the girl should let the dad know, said, hey, this is what's going on. What what you what are, what's your thoughts on this, dad? Number 10, if a young person had to hide something from their parents, there's a problem. If he or she didn't talk about his desires with the appropriate people, it would be wise to stay away from such a person. Girl, if you're dating a boy who has to hide something from your parents, and so I'm taking this idea of the boy coming in and, and stealing the girl's heart and not talking to the parents, doing it all on the down low. And if a, if a young person has to hide something from your parents, there is a problem. If he didn't talk about his desires to the appropriate people, it would be wise to stay away from such a person. There's never a good outcome when secrets, hiding, and disunity are involved. If there is a broken parent-child dynamic to where they can't or won't work together, the child should find a competent older person in his or her church to bounce things off of regarding dating, courting, the opposite sex, and marriage. I know, I know sometimes you can't, for whatever reason, talk to the spiritual authority in your life. And you need somebody to talk to, and, and that's okay. And you could talk to a competent older person in your church, bounce things off of. But you don't want to go into secret hiding mode because that is problematic. And this concept applies to any other issue the young person may need more mature advice about. Every Timothy should seek out a Paul. And if, if that Paul is not the child's dad, he should look within the church. We all need mentoring. I need mentoring. There's no beginning. Well, there is a beginning, but there's no ending age for having an older, wiser Christian working with you on life issues. Well, the ending age is when you see Jesus. But we should always have people speaking into our lives on all issues. And if a boy is thinking about dating a girl and a girl is interested in a guy, they need to be talking to somebody else. Let me give you two illustrations of this from my life. Two things happened recently. Here are two examples. A boy asked my daughter to a movie. He did not talk to me first. I have a response for that. Hell would have to freeze over before I would let that happen. It would be idiotic on my part to let a teenage boy take my daughter to a dark theater for three hours to watch a movie and I did not know the boy, never heard of him, and did not know anything about him or his parents. That's example number one. My daughter said, Dad, this boy wanted to take me to a movie. <laughs> not on my watch. It's not going to happen. Here's example number two. A boy called me and asked if he could meet with me. He wanted to let me know that he liked my daughter and would like to know how to go about it. I met with him for two hours. Since then, he's texted me while copying his dad on those texts to let us know what he's thinking and to bounce ideas off regarding his thoughts about my daughter. Well, needless to say, I like, I like boy number two. He's letting me parent my daughter. 
I've told all my children that I have no desire whatsoever to keep them in our home forever. My job is to release them into God's world as adults under God's authority. I want them to marry well. I don't want to hoard them. And I would find no greater joy than to help them find the right mates. We're a team, not enemies. We want the same things. They like the opposite sex, and I'm glad they do. And we want to work together in this excellent aim as far as our human responsibility permits us to do so. Now, I mentioned earlier that some parents operate with extremes. Extreme number one, you can be with anyone you wish with no guardrails. That is crazy. Number two, you can't be with anyone of the opposite sex. Both of those things are wrong and they're unwise. There is practical wisdom in the middle, and it's a parent's duty to help their children to find and live in God's wisdom. I told one of my students in our mastermind program this weekend that most of the things in the Bible are not explicit, black and white. Thus saith the Lord. The overwhelming majority of life issues falls within this or under this big umbrella, I said to my student of wisdom issues. And most things do fall under wisdom issues, and that's why we need each other so that we can talk about it, work through it. The Bible gives us everything that we need for life and godliness, but there has to be wisdom involved because the Bible can't answer every detail of your lives in a unique way. That's not possible, but there is wisdom in God's Word. I trust this podcast has helped. If you want to talk about your specific situation, well, get on our forums, and we will take this a little farther. Thank you for listening. You have been listening to Life Over Coffee with Rick Thomas. If you have a question for Rick, you can let him know by sending him a note through his website, rickthomas.net. That's rickthomas.net. Thanks for listening. Enjoy your coffee.